0: Welcome to Psych Talk. I am your host, Jessica Lee, a licensed clinical psychologist. It is my mission to motivate, inspire, and educate you on everything psychology, mental health, and self-growth. Although topics discussed on this podcast are similar to therapy, Psych Talk is not a replacement for therapy and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Whether you are a mental health professional or student in the social science field, are interested in psychology and mindset shifts, or are just interested in gaining skills and knowledge to grow into the best version of yourself, this podcast is for you. My hope is to provide you with knowledge and skills that you can implement in your daily life that add up to make a big impact. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Psych Talk. I am so excited for you to join me for today's episode. Today, I have a very special guest with me, Amber Benzinger, who is a licensed professional counselor. So, Amber, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited.
0: I am too. So, before we get into what we're going to talk about today, can you introduce yourself a little bit about your background and what you do?
1: Yeah. So, I've been a therapist for a little over a decade, which is makes me old, and I don't want to admit that, but um, I've worked in a ton of different community settings, um, from substance abuse, I've worked in with incarcerated men and women, um, I've worked with children, and I opened my private practice in 2019, um, and I've been working primarily with, I would say it's mostly millennial women mostly women of color who are struggling with anxiety and
0: like generational trauma. I love that. And I love that you opened your private practice before the pandemic. Cause I feel like a lot of therapists, like I've met through social media and things like that ended up opening during the pandemic, just because we were all working from home and things like that. So you got that private practice pre-pandemic and then had to probably shift everything <laughs> During yeah. I definitely
1: <laughs> sent out an email to my client saying like, okay, see you in 14 days. Like I'm just sending down for 14. 14- yeah. I'm still at home. So how many years later?
0: <laughs> I guess. And two and a half years later, <laughs> right. we're still here. <laughs> so you kind of already answered this, but I'd love to ask all my guests, like what their clinical population of interest is.
1: Yeah. So I love working with millennials. Um, I, like I said, I primarily work with people that identify as women and mostly women of color, mostly black women. Um, and that kind of just happened. Um, and I loved it. Um, and like, so, I mean, I still have a sprinkle of other people, but I would say that's like 95% of my practice.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I think it's so funny how so many of us just like kind of fall into our, our niche. Like we, yeah. we don't necessarily seek it out. And then it's like, oh, I actually really like this. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to keep doing this. Um, And so you mentioned a couple minutes ago that you've worked in a lot of different settings with a lot of different presenting problems, ages. Um, How did you get started to work with anxiety? And then do you mind sharing a little bit about your own journey with anxiety as much or as little as you feel comfortable?
1: Yeah. So before I started my private practice, I was um, was the clinical director of a treatment center. And so I was doing a lot of managing um and a little bit of you know practicing but I was seeing like anxiety pop up with I felt like I was seeing that with the people that I was working with like the people the therapists that I was working with um as well as the clients and kind of no one was really talking about that or no one knew like that's what it was um and it was really reminiscent of my own journey I feel like I've been anxious from the womb I say (laughs) um relatable and yeah and I feel like I grew up in a very like heavily like Critic, like uh, environment where I was heavily criticized all the time like oh you're being dramatic you're doing this and kind of made to feel like oh my gosh like I have all these feelings and I shouldn't um, mm-hmm. which probably just exacerbated my anxiety but it was like let me just keep everything in and then I I knew I wanted to be a therapist I was that weird child that knew what I wanted to be for quite some time I love it um, so when I went to college I feel like then I kind of got to like go out on my own and see like oh hey this is what this is you know you go to class and they say all these things and you're like oh my gosh and you diagnose yourself with everything and everybody in your family but I was like this makes sense I always thought that I was just like a really like angry person that was like hiding it but I felt like it's just because I was constantly overwhelmed so then Mm -hmm. I would just kind of lash out um and I started to realize like that's what anxiety was and that's how it showed up for me and I went to therapy and
0: then here I am (laughs) I I love that and thank you so much for sharing and when you were talking about kind of the environment you were brought up in like I feel like a lot of generations that are older than us like didn't talk about mental health and didn't know how to handle mental health so th- it was like don't don't cry you're being dramatic there's nothing to be upset about and I, obviously that happens now but to your point like so you were invalidated and basically communicated that like how you're feeling is wrong. Yeah. And then for you sure. keep it in.
1: <laughs> yeah. I felt like I didn't, I thought something was wrong with me. So I needed mm-hmm. to fix that. And I didn't know how to fix that. And like, I didn't want to ask for help anymore. So it was really, yeah, this, this struggle. And then you have all of these feelings and you're, you start to like not trust yourself in your own feelings.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you went off to college and got, got therapy and are doing everything you're doing um, because I know that just from knowing you through social media and everything you're, po- you're posting, you're helping so many individuals with anxiety, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. Um, so I love how you a couple moments ago said like, this is how anxiety presents Or presented for me, because one thing I have found I work with a lot of children and teens with anxiety, and I always ask them, How does it present for you? Because Mm -hmm. it can look different for everyone. And one thing I've noticed is that many people with anxiety describe engaging in overthinking. So, can you talk about the relation between overthinking and anxiety and then how they kind of play off one another, impact one another? I'll let you yeah, go so I, wherever you want to with this. I think like
1: you were saying it right. Like how do they play off one another? Cause I feel like it's like the chicken or the egg kind of thing. Cause like overthinking, you know, creates this like increased distress, which leads to anxiety, but then anxiety causes like this hypervigilant brain and you question everything and you don't trust yourself. Um, so then you overthink everything. So it's like, is it overthinking that game first, or is it anxiety that comes first? But yeah, I feel like we see that a lot because, there's that factor of like, oh my goodness, am I doing this right? Is this right? And like, then you start to kind of build up this like distress.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, a- absolutely. And I mean, I definitely consider myself an overthinker and just hearing you talk, it's like, but there's definitely times I'm overthinking that I'm not anxious, but then become anxious because I'm overthinking. But then there are other times I'm definitely anxious and then my mind starts yeah. racing. So I don't think we have an answer to that chicken or egg <laughs> question. I
1: don't, no, I don't think. I think, I think you're right. It, come, it manifests differently at different times. So I think it's just kind of becoming aware of that for yourself and being able to notice it and then be like, okay, this, this is my anxiety. This is what's coming up for me.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. So another common aspect of anxiety that I hear a lot is rumination. So can you define for listeners if they don't know what rumination is, what it is, and then how it may show up with anxiety? Yeah.
1: So like rumination is this repetitive negative thought process that just kind of keeps going around like on a loop, like continuous loop over and over again. Like if your boss, you know, it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon and they send you an email like you need to see me in my office at five. So then you have to sit there for five hours and you're just like, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. And it's just like replaying over and over on this loop.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I was talking to one of my patients recently about uh, the, the ambiguous like text messages you get like, Hey, can we talk later? And that's exactly what I thought when you just said that, like, okay, come, come to my office at five. Like, okay, please give me more right. context. <laughs>
1: Or when someone's like, uh, you know what, never mind. No, what is it? Like you shouldn't have done that. I can't handle it. I can't. <laughs>
0: well, because then you're gonna, to your point, ruminate, like, okay, yeah. what what did they actually mean? What were they gonna say? Um, right. and yeah, and kind of going back to like overthinking your that loop, and then you're gonna become more anxious right. because of that loop of negativity, for lack of a better yeah. term. Um so now that we're making all the listeners anxious, thinking about (laughs) rumination and overthinking, do you have some like tips or strategies um, that you would recommend or you work with your clients on, on how to manage their overthinking or rumination or reduce their overthinking and rumination?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that I'm always careful about is I say like use distraction, but I don't mean avoid like, mm-hmm. if we just avoid and then we push it down, it usually bubbles back up. So when I say distraction, I mean like, okay, if I'm sitting at my desk and I'm overthinking and I'm reading the email over and over again, like change of scenery, I to okay. distract myself from this, like get up, leave your desk. If you're laying in bed and you're just overthinking and you can't go to sleep, like get out of bed, go wash your hands, go wash your face, like reset. Um, and then allow yourself to kind of go into that getting curious mode. I always say like, that's the best way to, Combat anxiety is get curious. So, like, what's coming up for me? Is this true? Is this something I can even control? Mm -hmm. Um, If it is, okay, make a plan. But I would say 98% of the time, it's probably not something that you can control. So, it's like, okay, this is my anxiety, and be able to say for yourself, like, this is my anxiety. This isn't me, Um, so that you can kind of separate the two. I think sometimes we take anxiety on as like our personality,
0: but Mm -hmm. it's,
1: it's something that we're experiencing. So, learning how to separate those two really helps you be able to kind of gain back that sense of control and get out of that spiral and then also practicing like mindfulness and grounding techniques so like I know everybody knows like five four three two one and people are like that's annoying um (laughs) for some people that works for some people it's like like I feel like my clients are like what the hell like no I've seen that Instagram post like did you tell me to do that so like for some people it works for some people it doesn't but like there's progressive muscle relaxation so like you know, clenching your fist and then releasing and like moving through your body. So starting at your feet up to the top of your head by like tightening your muscles and releasing. So you're focusing on the way your body feels. You're focusing on the moment or whatever that is that's distracting. So you're, you break that cycle of rumination and then you can start getting into that curious mode of like, what was that? What, what mm-hmm. am I anxious about? What triggered me? So you can start to like ask those questions and start to challenge it. But I think first you got to break that
0: rumination. hmm Absolutely. I I love everything you just said. And I was just writing um, some notes down that I'm going (laughs) to go through. So I love that you highlighted distraction is not the same as avoidance. Now we can definitely use distraction as an avoidance technique, but like the example you gave, like if you're reading that email over and over and over again, that's clearly not doing anything positive for you. So getting up, going for a walk, change of scenery, closing the email, (laughs) like doing something different. Um, I, I use or recommend distraction a lot, especially because I work in a hospital and a lot of my patients, like for whatever reason, can't get out of bed, whether they have a fun- functional limitation or they're too sick whatever. And they're like, it is so boring just laying in bed. And all I'm doing is overthinking. And so yeah. I'm like, what distraction techniques can we engage in while you're in bed? Like artwork, listening to music, Um, work with a lot of teens. So we talk about like social media and the balance with that, um, reading, but things to like, get their mind off of just sitting and like thinking about how difficult it is being in the hospital. Um, the other thing I liked that you said about, can I control this? Because that is something I ask my clients all the time. Like, is this something you can control or what about this situation? Can you control, Yes. And like you said, a lot of times we can't, because anxiety loves to seek control where there isn't <laughs> control. Yes,
1: it makes us think that like we can have control over these things, and I'm always like, girl, you really have control over like very minimal things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's hard to remind yourself that, and it's hard to accept that. But I think it's when we really take a step back and look at it, like, uh, I mean, I guess I could email my ba- my boss and say, like, are you available now? But like. They can say no, so you know. I mean, like, what what is in your control? What are you able to do?
0: Mm -hmm. I love that you just said that because that was literally what I was thinking. Like, okay, I can't control that my boss wants to meet at five. Like, I could email and ask further clarification, right? um, Or like one strategy um, I like to use with my clients and that I use myself in a situation like that is like, what information do I actually have? Like, the only information I have is my boss wants to meet at five. I don't actually know if I'm going to get fired or if I'm going to get a promotion or that's all I know is my boss wants to meet at five. And that's like very grounding in a sense. At least it works for me. doesn't work for yeah. everyone. Um,
1: I think it, I think for me in that situation too, I think of using like, okay, if I'm going to like, I'm going to get fired. It's really like, can I be more realistic? Cause like, that's just something that I'm assuming and I'm laying into my assumptions. So like, what's realistic. Cause I think people are always like, Oh, I should be positive. Like I'm great. Like, but if you're not feeling that way, like you don't believe it. So like if you're being more real in the moment, like, look, I've been doing my best. Like I've been on time. I'm tr- I'm doing everything that is asked of me. So like you're focusing on like what's real and what's true in that moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I love that you just highlighted, um, you know, everybody tries to say like focus on the positive, but if that's not what you're really feeling or what you believe or is realistic, like you might actually think you're like the best thing since sliced bread, but if you yeah. – in reality, are likely not going to get a promotion because X, Y, or Z factors. Like telling yourself you're meeting your boss to get a promotion is not really going to be helpful in the long run either. So, yeah, what I do a lot of like worst case scenario, best case scenario, most recent or most realistic scenario with my clients. Um, so, I love that you brought that up as well. Um, and then something else you were talking about was like mindfulness techniques and grounding techniques and. So I'm a huge fan of self-compassion and mindfulness is a part of self-compassion. So can you talk a little bit about like how self-compassion works specifically can be beneficial in managing anxiety? Yeah, for sure. So I think like, we,
1: like I talked about before, we can be really highly critical of ourselves and we can start not to trust ourselves so that relationship with ourselves, it, it's not, we're not very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so practicing self-compassion, I think it really starts with kind of, how are you talking to yourself and challenge that uh, critical self-talk to be more realistic and being comfortable with like complimenting yourself when you're doing a good job. And something that I talk about a lot with my clients and something that I actually practice myself every, well, I try to do it daily. Let's be honest. um, Is Writing in my journal, like something I can forgive myself for. So like if, you know, I have two kids and sometimes I'm like, dude, like you got on my nerves and I don't, I try not to yell sometimes I do. So then I'm like, Oh my God, now my kids are going to have to go to therapy. Like they have to do all these things. Like I did this. So like, I'm like, let me forgive myself for that. Like, okay. And, you know, I always talk to them about it. And then obviously I try to like sit there and I'll write, like, I forgive myself for, you know, losing my temper today. And that helps me have like compassion for myself and see that like, Hey, I make mistakes, but I'm taking accountability and like,
0: that's okay. I'm human.
1: Um, And I don't have to continue to beat myself up for that.
0: Yeah. I, I love that you try. Keyword, try, um, because we're human too, um, to do that practice of forgiveness every morning. Because when, I don't know, a lot of people, and I mean, I've definitely recommended this to clients and it definitely works, like write down like gratitude journals or things like that. But hearing you talk, like it's very relevant. It sounds like it's very relevant to like something that happened that day or something. So it's not just like, I'm just listing things I'm grateful for. It's like, okay, this situation came up. I, you know, catastrophize that my kids are going to need therapy because I yelled at them about spilling the milk that one time when they were (laughs) five or whatever. Um, and, you know, getting in the habit of practicing, because I don't think we forgive ourselves a lot. Like, and I think society tells us to forgive other people, yeah, but not necessarily ourselves.
1: And I think like, that's an important part of self-compassion. Like, would you talk to the people that you care about and you love in your life, you know, like you're talking to yourself, would you not forgive them? Or would you hold them like, you know, hostage for this one mistake that they made that you're doing for yourself?
0: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That, I mean, and I think at this point, pretty much anybody that follows like any mental health accounts, like has heard like. Talk to yourself as you would a friend. And, you know, I'm a mom, you're a mom. And one thing I've kind of shifted for myself, and then I work with teens and kids, so not necessarily them, but like if I work with parents, is like, would you talk to your child this way? Because yeah. a lot of times, like that hits deeper for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Like, oh no, I would not want my child to, t- like, I would not talk to them that way. I would not want my child to talk to themselves that way. And a lot of parents don't want their children to see them talking to themselves in a negative way. Cause kids mimic what we do. Um, so I, 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 love that as well. I I'm, like I said, a huge fan of self-compassion and it's so much more than just talking kindly to yourself. It's like actions to do so. Yeah. Like you were saying.
1: Yeah. It's like really putting it into practice and, and noticing how it feels to do it. Cause it feels kind of weird and strange, especially if we're not used to it. We're so, and I always, you know challenge my clients like why are we so comfortable being so critical of ourselves but it's so hard to compliment ourselves Mm -hmm. like I know my therapist the other day was like I want you to like compliment yourself on a daily basis in front of your kids and I was like hell no (laughs) (laughs) and then I was like wait a second why is this so thanks for the suggestion right my whole body tense up and I was like no And then I was like, why am I having like such a visceral response to this? Like, why is that so terrible to do? You know, obviously I would want them to be able to do that. So like, how can I model that for them and and be okay with it? And what's that about for me? Why is it so easy for me to criticize myself and not be nice
0: to myself? Oh, absolutely. And like, I, I say this all the time I know a bunch of people do like we're harder on ourselves than we are on anyone else, but I love that you just brought up like complimenting yourself and you talked about that a few moments ago as well because we don't like I would say you know I can think of times like maybe like I dress up to go out and I'm like, oh, I look really good, but it's yeah. not like an everyday thing or like going back to the 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 boss example that you gave a little bit ago like You said like, you know, I've been a really hard worker. I've been doing my job, showing up on time. How often do we actually say that to ourselves? Probably not often. No. Uh And then like, I don't know. I was just thinking when you were like, oh, why do we do this? I think it's society, but like, we're just taught or at least how, and you can disagree with me, or I'd love to get your insights on this. like If you speak too highly of yourself, somehow you're like cocky or conceited or narcissistic. And I'm putting that in quotes. Nobody can see me except you, but that's just such a buzzword (laughs) that's been thrown around here recently rather than like, yeah, complimenting yourself is actually very healthy Yeah, and so it shows your self-worth and confidence in yourself and your abilities, things like that.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with you. I feel like that, you know, has gone so like extreme. It's very like black and white thinking with that. It's like you shouldn't compliment yourself because you're cocky. But then at the same time, people are like, but you're supposed to be kind to yourself. But like, you have to do it in a way that is acceptable. And mm-hmm. like, then it feels like disingenuous or... So, yeah, I think it, I, I agree with you. I feel like society made it really complicated and hard to show up that way.
0: Mm-hmm. It,
1: it feels uncomfortable. And I feel like people people don't do it. So then I feel like when they see other people do it, they're critical of that.
0: Oh, absolutely. And like, I can think of myself as someone who also has anxiety, like for, like for me, like acknowledging, especially like out loud, something positive about myself also like kind of stirs a sense of anxiety of like, well, am I really that good? Do I just think that about me? Or like, what if somebody else hears me say that? And like, I know for me too, like, it's hard for me to accept compliments from others. So the idea of like complimenting myself, just like Kind of like your visceral response that <laughs> you just said. Like, it's like, <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know what that feeling is, right. but we just did it together. Yes.
1: I know exactly what you mean, though. Yeah. It, it's so, and like, it's funny because I feel like, you know, social media kind of gives us this, um, we see a glimpse into other people's worlds. So like when I see other people online, you know, that are like complimenting themselves or like saying something, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to go on, girl. Like, good for you. But I'm like, I not like why is that? Like I'm happy for that person but I'm like, oh my god, not me. Like mm-hmm. it makes and it yeah, I feel like it's something that we should start to notice more and maybe we need to like, you know, be more introspective about as as a society.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we're just talking about like self-compassion. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is more of like self-acceptance, especially when experiencing anxiety, cause you know, hearing your story and then you said something a little bit ago about like separating yourself, um, from the anxiety. Cause a lot of times like, and I've definitely said this and I still sometimes say like, Oh, I'm an anxious person. Like, (laughs) um, but can you talk a little bit about like self-acceptance? when experiencing anxiety and I'll let you take that in whatever direction you want to
1: yeah so I think a lot of times when we're anxious we're looking for an answer right we're looking for like maybe I should have said this or I could have done this and like how can I have changed that and we're not like accepting like okay this is where we are this is what's happening um this is what we can control right so we keep ourselves anxious by like keep trying to change something that's already, most of the time it already occurred or that mm-hmm. we have no control over. So if we can kind of have acceptance of like, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what happened. We don't have to like it. Mm-hmm. I think like that's a piece that people forget to Like, ew, well, it sucks. Like, I don't like it. Of course not. I'm not saying that you had to love it. Like, you know, if that person broke up with you or somebody passed away or whatever, like that, like that sucks. But at the same time, like you can't change that. So we have to have some type of acceptance for ourselves and where we're at. Um, so that we can kind of make room for those feelings and process it to to move forward.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, so the theme of control came up again. but I love that you said, like a lot of times it's something that has already happened. And mm-hmm. like, we can't go back and change the past. I mean, we can do acknowledge it and change future situations. But, yeah, a lot of like acceptance of th- this is what happened. Also, this is how I'm feeling. Cause mm-hmm. I know you mentioned earlier, like with avoidance, like if we just suppress and avoid, that's not accepting our anxiety or experiences either. It's avoiding. Yeah.
1: absolutely. And I think it's
0: easy to do that because
1: not, I mean, I feel like, I feel like a lot of mental health words have become buzzwords. I think anxiety has become a buzzword. So I think when people are saying like, I'm anxious about that, people are like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm anxious about that too, but like, no, like, anxiety can be like debilitating. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, you know, like, not really being able to handle how you're feeling and what's going on. So, it is like really accepting, like, okay, here I am. I'm in this situation. I'm feeling this. And like, that's okay Mm that I'm feeling this um, and allowing myself to so that I'm not pushing it down. So, it's not, doesn't keep coming back up. Like, really,
0: you know, facing it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that is hard. And uncomfortable Mm -hmm. going back to like all the the hard and uncomfortable things we've already talked about because it's not something that we're used to doing. Um, And when you're talking just a moment ago, I was thinking of going back to self-compassion, like mindful awareness, like not suppressing your emotions, but also not over identifying with them, like accepting them for how they are, what they are, not judging yourself for experiencing anxiety. Cause I've definitely done that. I've been like, why am I so anxious about this? Like, there's no reason to be anxious. <laughs> I am anxious and telling myself <laughs> I shouldn't be anxious is not going to help my anxiety.
1: Oh, absolutely. I feel like I've definitely caught myself in that spiral of, like, you know, better than this. Okay. But like my feelings aren't like, they don't know like i'm feeling this like that you know what i mean like they don't have any logic yeah it's feeling that so uh, yeah, allowing myself to like go through that um and that's why i would say like try to get more curious because i think our go-to is like to be like critical but i want it to be more curious as like oh hey like what is this what's coming up instead of like oh here we go again because mm-hmm. like that just feeds that negativity
0: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And asking questions. And I would imagine too, like if you're getting curious and asking yourself questions, it also disrupts that rumination cycle that you were talking about earlier, because you're not just thinking the same thing over and over again. You're actually exploring, asking yourself questions. Why is this coming up for me? How is this feeling in my body? Whatever questions um, that you are asking yourself.
1: Yeah, for sure. I feel like it helps you move through it instead of stay stuck in it.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I feel like we could definitely talk about anxiety all day. Oh, and like you said, it's a buzzword and you know, the reality is anxiety is a a human emotion and Mm -hmm. it can be a very debilitating disorder. Um, Yeah. So just the extent that you can learn to cope with manage, and you've already provided so many great tools and tips um, for listeners, even if they don't have like an anxiety disorder, like most of us engage in like overthinking. Yeah. Or rumination.
1: And like you said, anxiety is a natural response. Like that's, I think that's one of my biggest pet peeves when I see people like, Oh, I cured my anxiety. I don't have anxiety ever, ever again. Like do these three easy steps. And I'm like, what freaking easy steps? Like what? Like, I get a lot of money for this degree and I did not get those three easy sets. So, like, I, I want people to realize that, like, you know, having some anxiety is a natural response that, like, you cannot get rid of. Like, that keeps us safe. That's coming up. But when it becomes something that's, like, becomes unmanageable and we're in that rumination, we're like, that's where we got to step in, and, you know, use those coping skills. But if anyone is, like, trying to sell you this dream of, like, they are never anxious ever in their life, like, I'm going to question that a bit. <laughs>
0: Oh, absolutely! I I love that you brought that up because that is one of my biggest pet peeves too. I think really anything that says like cure X in three easy steps um, is a red flag, but especially when it comes to anxiety because anxiety as an emotion does not need to be cured because right. that would be like like three easy steps to cure happiness. Like right. it just doesn't make sense. Right. And if it's like three tips to help lessen your anxiety. Okay. Maybe that's worded a little bit better. Um, but yeah, to your point, like you paid a lot of money for the degree. I paid a lot of (laughs) money for my degree and nowhere in either of our trainings, does it sound like we got this quick handout guide of (laughs) three easy steps to get rid of all anxiety ever. Well, and that's not healthy either. No, you need anxiety to exactly. I think that's what
1: people forget. Like anxiety does like, Help, but help us survive. Help us realize, like, oh, there's like danger or something's coming up. It's when we start to perceive things that aren't dangerous as dangerous. Then okay, and but again, it's like managing and coping and building skills, not like like you said, not curing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. And like the skills that you've already given us today, like are easy. Not easy. I don't want to say easy because they're not. It's uncomfortable, but easy Mm -hmm. as in can be implemented <laughs> right. like without any, like, I don't know, fancy equipment or needing to, you know, see a therapist. Obviously we both are biased. If you right. have an anxiety disorder and mental health care is accessible to you. Yes. A therapist can help you work through this, right. but like, you know, getting curious, anybody can do that. Yeah. And if that's going to be something that helps someone, which I'm sure it is um, somebody listening, like that's a great first, Step to help them start their journey to bettering, bettering, that's not a word, better managing their anxiety. So, we've covered a lot. There's also so much more about anxiety that we can talk about. Um, But I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about anything that you would like to touch on with regard to anxiety, overthinking, rumination. Self compassion, self acceptance. You know, I know you are so knowledgeable um, and work with this so much. So I wanted to give you the space and opportunity to talk about anything else you wanted to bring up.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, just one of the things that I'm constantly like hitting home on and, you know, reminding people is, and we talked about at the beginning, just anxiety shows up differently for other people. Um, for everybody. So it can be really physical in nature for you. maybe you're having, you know, panic attacks, or you're having heaviness in your chest, or, you know, maybe you're an overthinker, maybe it comes out as like anger. So I I think it's really important that you remember that just because somebody has it this way, or somebody's exhibiting, you know, or experiencing anxiety this way, and you're not, that doesn't mean that you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, But and I also think that like, coping skills, some are going to work for you, some aren't. So it's kind of like, take what works and take what is manageable and like you're that you're actually going to do. And like, that's why I brought up like that five, four, If three, two, one, you're not going to do that. Then don't put that in your toolbox, right? Like that's not for you. So like what actually works for you Um, and to keep having these conversations. Like I said, I think a lot of mental health words become buzzwords. Mm -hmm. So I think that now when people are saying anxiety, it's like everybody has that. So like, I think sometimes people can be dismissed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that people aren't, you know, losing the ability to talk or share or get the help that they need because of that. Cause anxiety can be really debilitating and, and it is something, you know, especially if you're suffering from an anxiety disorder, it can be really serious and can feel really heavy and hard. So I just want to empathize
0: with people listening that are mm-hmm. struggling with that. I appreciate you sharing that. And even highlighting like anxiety can present as like anger. And when you said that. I was going back to one thing that you have said multiple times throughout this episode is get curious. Like, why am I feeling this way? What is this really? And like the overall message I was hearing from you is like, anxiety is not one size fits all, nor is what will be helpful for your anxiety. And going back to the three tips to cure anxiety, that's also why that doesn't work because Mm -hmm. what works for me to manage my anxiety is probably not exactly the same as what works for you, which is not exactly the same that works for any of our clients. So I appreciate you bringing up how it can present differently. And it also doesn't mean that yours is right or wrong, or that one is like worse or better. It's just all different. So anything else that you would like to touch on before we wrap up this episode?
1: I mean, I feel like I could go on and on, <laughs> but no, I just, I just really hope that people will, yeah, foresee, you know, will take what works for them and kind of leave what doesn't and realize that, um, you know, you have to build your own path and your own, I hate the word journey because I think that's overused, but <laughs> your own way of coping and managing for you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So the last question I love to ask all my guests is where can people connect with you? So if people listen to this episode and are already following you, want to learn more about anxiety, follow your amazing content on social media, where can they do that?
1: Yeah. So you can, my website is Um, amberversanxiety.com. My handle on Instagram is amberverseanxiety. I'm like, I really gotta up my TikTok game. I'm really inconsistent, but it's in reverse anxiety over there too.
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. And you also have a podcast. Um I do. Yeah. So I
1: oh sorry. <laughs> um, my podcast is um the managed mind. I do that with my um friend Nikki. We met when we were talking about anxiety in Clubhouse, and we decided to start this podcast where we're just being like just two overthinking women that are just sharing our experiences and tips and just trying to be real and relatable and start those discussion. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And you all are real and relatable and talk <laughs> about all things anxiety. So I just wanted to make sure that um, we plug that as well, because if people enjoyed this episode, I know that we'll enjoy and get a lot out of your podcast. So I will make sure to link all of those in the show notes as well um, Amber, thank you so much for joining me, talking about anxiety. Like you said, like we could have taken this in so many different directions, talked about this for, for hours, but I appreciate all your knowledge and insights. And I know this episode is going to be super helpful for those struggling with anxiety, overthinking, rumination, needing to be kinder to themselves and everything else we talked about today.
1: I had so much fun. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. And thank you, the listeners, for joining for today's episode of Psych Talk. And I will catch you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Psych Talk. I hope you found so much value. If you loved what you heard or gained some knowledge, I would love for you to take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at Jessica Lee PhD. Additionally, I would be honored if you leave a review and five-star rating so I can continue to help this podcast grow. If you are not already, follow me on Instagram and join my Facebook community, Grow Through What You Go Through. Thank you for joining me today, and I cannot wait for you to join me during the next episode. Remember, you are loved, you are worthy, and you are braver than you know.